Live from the House of LeMay Makeup and Dressing Room. Here comes Amber. Stop what you're doing. Here comes Amber. She's just doing what she can. Here comes Amber. Cue the spotlight. Here comes Amber with two drinks in her hand. The matriarch of fashion, secret sewer glasses. Can't look away. Ask her, does she do it? Really nothing to it. She's got that sound on it, yeah. If you have a party, or if you're feeling naughty, call up the house of the maid. Here comes your favorite gal. Hello, and welcome to the Amber Live interviews. This is Russell, producer and co-host of Amber Live. We want to remind you to subscribe to us both here and at youtube.com slash amberlive. You don't want to miss a moment of Amber LeMay, the Larry King of drag queens. There's so much more to the show than just the interviews that Amber does each week. We have hundreds of interviews, comedy sketches, songs, and more on YouTube that you can watch anytime. But... In the meantime, you can listen to the amazing interviews right here. Now enjoy this episode of Amber Live Interviews. Zen Casa was created to give people a space to connect to their authentic selves without fear, judgment, or shame. Throughout the years, Zen Casa has instilled principles of self-care with individuals, groups, and corporations. Through movement, stillness, or discussions, people are inspired to help others develop their own loving practice that is reflective of their uniqueness. Let's find out more about Zen Casa by speaking with its founder and Reverend Francisco Ramos. But first, let's watch this clip. Growth only occurs when there is tension. It is breaking through that internal hesitation to be more than you are now that causes growth to occur. Um, and the retreats were just that for us. Well, I decided to go on the retreat for a number of factors. And for me, it was really a, a self-discovery. I am, I am on the shine introverted side. So it was a chance for me to try to cast that aside. What I got out of the retreat was Finally connecting with others, gay men, who are all on the same path that I feel I have been and just wanting to expand my yoga practice as well as my meditation practice and just overall well-being. The reason why I attended the retreat was I thought it would be a great opportunity to just get away from the city. It sounded like it was a great way to disconnect from everything and reconnect with myself. It all turned out to be true. It was uh, probably the best decision. It was a last minute decision, and those are usually the best. Francisco, come on in. 
Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me today. Oh, my gosh. How beautiful. How beautiful. First, in your own words, tell me about Zencasa. Uh, we started Zencasa in 2015, um, <clears throat> basically as a way to help people connect to themselves. I was working as a personal trainer at the time, and people were coming to me, of course, for uh, wanting to work on their bodies, but I found that a lot of people also were working on things internally, right? They were going through uh, life changes and they needed tools. And so I wanted to educate myself on how do I be a better, a better service to these people. And so that's how I got into being a yoga instructor. I started to do ministerial training um, to create these, these tools and create that space for people. I, that's a beautiful piece of property. Where did that come from? Uh, this property or the property of the video? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take both. <laughs> yeah, uh, the property and the videos, uh, those are two locations we hosted retreats at in the past. Um, both happen to be in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. We put on uh, wellness retreats primarily for men. Sometimes we do co-ed retreats, um, mostly in Mexico, but we've done Thailand and Malibu and South Florida and New Mexico and Palm Springs, all over, yeah. So, so Zen Casa isn't a a place. It's a theory. It's a yeah. Let's... We create Zen wherever we are, right? and so sometimes that's in a beautiful setting in Mexico. Uh, when I work with corporations and I'm dealing with their employees, uh, when I go to them or it's a virtual, it's my job to create that container, that vessel for us to play in. Um, so it sometimes seems like a dream because <laughs> it's not a, a physical place, but it is always available and we are constantly cultivating it wherever we go. What were you doing before you were a personal trainer? I was a college student. <laughs> I graduated college um, from the University of Connecticut and then afterwards I spent two years traveling the country uh, and went to South Florida, I went to Colorado and New Mexico and then made my way to Los Angeles. What was your major in college? I studied entrepreneurial business and political <laughs> science, <laughs> which is actually good, I put it to use. <laughs> yes, you have. Yes, you have. So, so what got you into personal training? What, what, what was that about? Um, personal training, because, okay, so I live in Los Angeles, live in Hollywood, and everyone's very exterior focused. Uh, and as a young 20-year-old, it was very easy to kind of fall into that. Uh, and it's great for a temporary state of being, but if you want depth, if you want something of uh, lasting value, right, you got to do a lot of inner work. Uh, and so I started doing my own inner work, and then from there was guided outwardly uh, to be of service to the community. It sounds very spiritual. Where did that come from? I started studying, I was always very religious, not religious, sorry, spiritual uh, for most of my life. Uh, and in college, I started studying humanities and was very curious of the different sectors and different cultures and was finding the through line, right? What is the commonality? What are these universal truths that uh, affect all of us, regardless of culture or identity or how we see ourselves? Um, and that was really what was so inspirational. Uh, and I found that as I was learning that, I was also able to communicate that to other people. So when I work with companies and corporations, you know, I talk to people who are in Australia, in Mumbai, in London, in Rio, um, 
I have to be very conscious of the words that I'm using, right? I have to be very conscious of, of how I'm communicating to not be offensive, but to be more inclusive. Um, and so when we use universal truths, um, it creates that playground that we can all gather in, right? That little oasis. Your background before that, before you went to college, what, you know, as a child, did you see this as a possible way of life? Um, I was raised Catholic uh, and was very much into the practices of Catholicism, right? And I started to study uh, to pray the rosary, um, which is the set of beads, right? And which then when I started to get involved in yoga, it's the mala beads, right? So these these tools that are present in different cultures, uh, just different terminologies. But it's meant to do the same thing, right? It's meant to slow you down, to help you be more mindful, to bring you back into the present moment. Um, and how we, what we call these tools are um, culturally identified, but they can apply to us all. So I always was really open to spiritual connection. Um, when I studied abroad in Italy uh, in college, I learned more about the historical facts of Catholicism. And that kind of shifted me away to be more open to other, uh, other spiritual truths. Uh, and that really led to my curiosity um, to find that through line. It must have taken some sort of confidence or inspiration to take from being a personal trainer to develop Zen Casa. How was that transition? Um, yeah, it definitely, it definitely was. I had a lot of clients who were both personal training and to, and yoga clients. So that helped really much uh, bridge the gap. How I started doing these retreats, um, there was a gentleman who was closeted. Uh, he was in his 60s, lived a whole double life. Oh. And he had a beautiful estate in Malibu. Uh, this is going back almost 10 years ago. And he said, you know, these are really popular right now, our, our wellness retreats, you should really consider doing them. And I was like, well, I've, I've never done them. I know nothing about this. And he said, well, the only way to do it is to do it. So you and can that, use- that's when, that's when the entrepreneur- Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very much, yeah. He's like, you, I, you can have this space for the weekend, um, figure it out and play with it and have fun. And so I did, and we put one on um, Pride Weekend as an alternative for people who didn't want to go participate in the yeah. parties of Pride. Yeah. Uh, we had this event and we were able to book it out. Uh, unfortunately, that gentleman did not um, attend um, because he was going through his own processes and was not comfortable. Um, yeah. But that sparked something that I, was able to witness and to see community and to see people gather and to share and to create that space, um, which has been so beneficial, right? We create these retreats and older, younger, uh, straight, gay, bi, all come. And it's a beautiful space for men to gather, to work on their bodies, to work on their emotional selves, to work on their intellectual selves, to share wisdom and knowledge um, that we normally don't get in our day-to-day -day lives. 
Now, is there a prerequisite to attend one of your retreats? I mean, do I have to be a yoga enthusiast or I have to do something else? Uh, no, not at all. And I, I get that question quite a bit. Um, so the way we, we run these retreats is there is one physical activity per day, usually in the morning, and it's primarily yoga. Sometimes we'll have a personal trainer come or we'll do some sort of uh, functional training, uh, but there's no prerequisites. All you have to do is come with an open heart and open mind and to leave your ego at home. Who, who are your, I don't want to say customers, but the people who come to, to your events? Ah, um, there are a mixed bag. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, so we do have like the professional, uh, the professional executives who come, who are often wound up very tight, high anxiety, right? And they're looking for a place to go and to be able to leave their workspace behind. We have people who are in the midst of transitions. So someone who's going through a divorce, someone who had someone who just passed away, um, someone who moved to a new city. Um, so we have those people who are in transitions. We have about a third of the people who come have been on a previous retreat. So we have that um, those reoccurrence. And then we always have uh, a handful of, I say young because I'm older than them now, uh, in their 20s, um, wow. who come either, sometimes we sponsor uh, one or two guests to come and they're in their 20s, other ones, know us from different social circles that we are part of within Los Angeles. Um, but it tracks an array of people, not just from Southern California, but from all over the country. We get people from Chicago, Seattle, Phoenix, uh, Virginia, Boston, Portland. It's a great group. I, I introduced you as founder and reverend of um, Casa Zen, Zen Casa. Where's the reverend come in? Uh, so I started with my 500-hour yoga teacher training, uh, and that was great because there is that blend of physical and non-physical with yoga. Uh, but then I was curious to learn more verbiage, right? How do I, what are the verbiage that I can use that can really connect to people? Uh, and I started to study new thought movement. Uh, and the new thought movement is, it's not quite new, it's about 150 years old, <laughs> uh, but it's all... Course in Miracles, Edwin Gaines, um, Thoreau, Emerson, like all of these teachings that have been around for a while, that uh, is the power of your thoughts and how it controls the world around you, right? Understanding that there's different levels of consciousness and am I remaining in victim consciousness or do I elevate my understanding of what is happening around? Um, so I started to use those for myself. And then from there, I went into a ministerial program for three years to help other people do uh, cr create that connection as well. Um, and as queer people, we typically don't have safe spaces to have solidarity and a spiritual connection. And so it was really important for me to create that space to allow other people to have that connection or to foster that connection, right? So we can understand that we are spiritual beings having a human experience um, and allow ourselves to thrive. You mentioned uh, your, your queer um, base. Uh, is that the majority of your clientele? I would say the majority uh, is probably, uh, I would say about 75% uh, is queer base. Uh, and then there is a, a handful of women as well as uh, straight men. Uh, but primarily uh, gay base or queer base. 
I prefer gay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It's>, uh... <laughs> well, it's all encompassing of the umbrella because, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Uh, who is your staff? I, I, on your website, you have a couple other people on your staff. Tell me about them. Yes. Uh, my partner, Chris uh, at Chide, he helps us when we facilitate the retreats. He very much is the point of contact, the hospitable uh, host. Um, and then Anthony Ocasio, he does Tai Chi. Um, I facilitate sound baths when I'm unable to. He facilitates a sound bath. Um, what, 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 what's that? What's that? A sound bath. Oh, a sound bath are these beautiful, big um, crystal bowls that we ring to create harmony with the brain waves in your brain, in your mind, mm -hmm. right? So we have the active mind, we have the dormant mind, we have the dead sleep brain waves. Uh, when we ring sound bowls, what we're doing is synchronizing your brain waves to the frequency of the bowls. And it's a great way to help you slow down the active thinking mind so you can get into the space where you're observing your thoughts and then eventually get to the space where you release your attachments to them. Uh, it helps to deepen a meditation practice. Uh, and there's plenty of physical benefits to participating in a sound bath, like reduce stress, reduce anxiety, better sleep, um, that are part of it, yeah. And quite a bit, I get um, asked to do sound baths, whether it's for small groups, for like women who are having a little girls weekend, or they bring me in to do, to do the sound baths for the executive team so they have a moment to relax and ease in the workspace. Um, it's wonderful. It's great that we live in a time now where these techniques are being used in society and are being accepted as opposed to pushed in, to the side. Now, how did COVID affect your business? Um, well, the first two weeks I was scared because <laughs> I had no <laughs> idea what to expect. Um, but it created a shift. Um, one, I went online for a good chunk of it, uh, for the, at least for the first portion, which I was very hesitant to do because a lot of the work that I do is in person and you're, you know, you're feeding off of people's energies and you can understand when there's a pause or when there's a breath, right, that you can dance with um, and that's not necessarily the case virtually so there was definitely a, a, a learning curve with that um, but it also opened up the doors to corporations because corporations had thousands of employees all working from home who were tucked in their little boxes and super stressed out and had no idea what to do uh, and so I was brought in to help alleviate some of that uh, which was a beautiful blessing and had no idea that that would unfold the way it unfolded. And then when we started to do retreats, I'm sorry. No, no, COVID was a blessing for many things. It was a problem, but it was also created a lot of, a lot of opportunities. And I, I appreciate how you took advantage, not advantage, but you adapted to it. Yes, very much, very much so. Do you still do um, viral things? Um, yes, I still have uh, a list of companies that I work with all virtually. Occasionally I go in for in-person, uh, but especially the international companies, we create forums where they have regular weekly classes or, for example, next week I'm doing an open mic on mindfulness in the workplace and resilience at home and what that looks like and giving people tools to be able to 
to use um, both at home and in the work. So it's still continuing. This is airing <clears throat> after the billion dollar drawing for Powerball. So um, it may be gone, but if you had won the billion dollars in Powerball, what would you do with it? Ah, if I had won a billion dollars, well, part of it, uh, I would have to tithe some of it, right? So tithing is when you give 10% to that which spiritually nourishes you. And that can be a variety of things. That's understanding that there is this energy that you are a part of, that as you receive, so you give. So that's part of what I would have to do right off the bat. Um, but also I would love to do more retreats. Retreats are something that I am very near and dear to my heart because we create those spaces for people who typically don't have that. So I would much do much more retreats. Well, sometime I would love you to do a retreat in Vermont. We've got some beautiful spaces here that I, are either on the lake or in the mountains. I think that uh, people would, especially in Vermont, I think people would uh, really appreciate your efforts. Thank you so much, Francisco, for joining us tonight. Fascinating what you do, and I, I love your heart. I love uh, your heart. Thank, thank you so you. much for having me. It was great to see you. Thank you. Take care, everybody. Thank you, Francisco. That was beautiful. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Amber Live Interviews. Remember to subscribe to us so you don't miss a single minute of the fun. And remember, it is your support that keeps us going. You can make a donation through this podcast by using our Venmo at RJD Pro or by visiting us at AmberLive.tv and clicking on the Support Amber Live button. Thank you. Thank you, Francisco. That was beautiful.